everybody. Welcome to the Wrestler Review. We're doing a special episode on the life, not the death, just the life of Howard fucking Finkel. I'm Dylan Gott, and since we're doing this on IG Live, I'm going to have to get John Hastings in here in one second. Go live with John. John, are you there? We're waiting. This could be a landmark episode of the wrestler review because it could be the most technical issues we have in one episode Disag- disagree <laughs> we are talking also mostly about his death his death was part of w oh, okay we're gonna talk only about the man's death john are those your underpants of just above your door it's a towel dice in case he needs to spunk john hastings as his spunk towel <laughs> that's one goop <laughs> Dried. When my goop dries, it's blue. <laughs> Lacking iron. Go ahead. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Howard Finkel. Howard was born June 7th, 1950. Died on his 69th birthday. YOLO. YOLO. Yo, 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 like an alpha. <laughs> he was the first employee of Vince McMahon, meaning he was the first guy to be forced to do coke with him till 9 a.m. Yeah, he was the first employee of Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon um, uh, rewarded him for his trouble by ritualistically and psychologically torturing him via crazy pranks. Here's the following things that would happen to Howard Finkel. Mm-hmm. Anytime a car was destroyed during the Attitude Era, that car was Howard Finkel's. Uh, one time. So there's an interview with X Pac. He says that it was once, one time, it was Howard Finkel's car. Uh, the, where this is coming from is Jim Cornette's car was used one time. They smashed the window out of Jim Cornette's mm-hmm. car, and Jim Cornette went fucking crazy, and apparently, <laughs> apparently screamed, "I'm not going to be Howard Finkel. You won't be doing this to me." In front of Howard Finkel, he literally was like, "I'm not the bitch. That's the bitch." And left. <laughs> he left. That's amazing. Left Monday Night Raw when he was managing Vader and just fucked off. No, I don't think he was managing Vader at that point, but literally just was like, nope, not the bitch. He's the bitch. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> this is the this is the thing I like about Howard Finkel is that like once Vince McMahon discovered that the audience liked laughing at his practical jokes on guys that were shorter than him and didn't work out as much as he did, that's what he did. Like, Howard Finkel, as an on-screen character, really lose... Like, he's a respected character and a respected man in the office for 20 years, and as soon as Stone Cold coins Austin 316, Vince is like, let's sodomize this guy (laughs) with the Intercontinental title. What's that? We're getting edgy? First things first, someone find Howard's family, kill them, videotape it, show it that will be smackdown (laughs) that's smackdown now (laughs) wait a minute benoit did the sketch i wrote for howard finkel oh it's real oh i guess i gotta be sad even though i'm still pissed yeah i'm vince mcmahon i don't know what sad is is that like when you eat bread once (laughs) apparently he loves bread so Howard Finkel was born in New Jersey. As I said, he was actually the first uh, first hired by Vince McMahon Sr. in 1975. But for the WWWWF, he was the first employee at Titan Sports yes, in he, 1980. Yes, he was. And uh, he was WrestleMania three. Vince wanted to do the intro, but Howard was right behind him. So everyone who watched it, who was in the know in wrestling, thought, look at this. Vince is finally fucking doing it, and he has his first employee with him. That was probably just because he, Vince wanted to announce. And I realized that, like, 
Jim Ross got beaten up to get heat on a heel. Jerry Lawler even got beaten up to be, get heat on a heel. Vince McMahon never did. The most anyone did was shove him because he's like, well, I mean, if I come in contact with a heel, clearly I'm winning the well, match. No, he got Stone Cold stunned a lot. And according to Stone Cold St- Steve Austin's book, which is a real fun fact, uh, he would kick him in the nuts a lot because his shorts were tight. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real good. Real fun stuff. Um, the other thing. Yeah, apparently he came up with, of course, John, you talk about this all the time, but he came up with WrestleMania. If it wasn't called WrestleMania, what was going to be called? Either the Colossal Tussle or yeah, Colossal Tussle or Hulkamania. No, and there was a third one. What's that? Track down and fuck your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> First, you got to find out where she is because she doesn't want to be with you. Yeah. Uh, it's either. All right. We got Mr. T. We got Randy Savage coming in right after. Here's what we're going to call it. I'm mad at everyone and I'm going to fuck their women. Um, Vince, <laughs> uh, you can't. We'll call it Nambla promotional video. No. I mean WrestleMania. No, just, no, uh, Vince, do you do you know what do you know what any of those things mean? No, I wasn't taught verbs or nouns at my school. We were just hit with a book. <laughs> I am Jesus Howard. Essentially, Howard Finkel was um your classic right hand man do everything guy he was an amazing ring announcer uh what was his first ma- yep. what was the first main event he called by the way i really thought you were gonna say what was his maiden name <laughs> uh what was the first main event he called bruno san martino versus an italian sub uh, and i'll tell you this the sub didn't real win. close with bruno san martino ken patera in one of the best 70s suits i've ever seen in my life oh yeah just two guys like and then I put him in a chin lock. Yeah. And then once he's tired at a chin lock, he puts me in a chin lock. Then we both got each other, but my chin's better, so I win. Arke- chin pin. Okay, Kin, it's me, Bruno. Here's what we're going to do. First things first, we slowly <laughs> walk around the ring for 45 minutes. And... <laughs> <laughs> I trick you to come to my garden. You pick an unripe tomato. You eat it. You die. I win. First things first. You come over to my house and we have a four-course Sunday meal. But you start with the antipast before the meat course and I fucking kill you with a gun. (laughs) Until uh, uh, Patera gets a Big Mac attack is what 98 Fiance said. And you know what? I do think that Ken Patera probably couldn't walk for 90 minutes straight. Power lifters are like that. They can't walk well, but like, oh, I just lifted a thousand pounds. Can you go to the store? That I cannot yeah. do. It's also, he was smoking and drinking. He's like, hey, I just lifted 2,000 pounds. I'm going to need an unfiltered camel and some rye. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing is uh, we have that Patreon episode on Ken Patera because we're only doing silly criminals now, which it turns out every single wrestler has dealt pills at one mm-hmm. point, so it'll be pretty easy. Ooh. Um, but uh, he, Ric Flair met him when he was doing six shots of vodka in a row and chasing it with just as many cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, when, again, bear in mind when an Olympic athlete says, you don't need to breathe to do your sport, that guy's not winning a gold. That guy's not winning a gold. <laughs> so, of course, he came up with, Finkel did apparently the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat nickname, and he was such a wrestling dork that uh, at least Jim Cornette, no, it wasn't uh, Jim Cornette, it was X-Pac alleges that he found Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth in Memphis. 
Yeah, he he was he was uh, essentially the first he was the first talent relations guy when Titan Sports started. He was a huge mm-hmm, invi- mm-hmm. advisor to all of the territories. He was also uh, a wrestling obsessive and a trivia obsessive. He basically knew more than Jim Cornette uh, about territory wrestling, which is insane yes. because Jim Cornette does not know what his first wife's name is. He just refer <laughs> he just refers to as I met her ne- I met her four days out from a, watching a Homa Louisiana riot on a videotape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, honey, when when uh, when he says when he says I'm your husband and you're my wife, he, he's gonna call you Dick Murdoch and call me Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you take this Dick Murdoch to be your uh, Ricky the Dragon steamboat? <laughs> <laughs> He was Meltzer without a spectrum disorder. I would disagree. Every single day, he came in. He apparently would come in at 7 a.m. to Titan Towers and and type up all of the reports before, it wasn't before seven, Meltzer it was It wasn't around. 7 a.m. The report would be there by 7 a.m. Be done for 7 a.m. Sorry. Be done at yeah. 7 a.m. So he would come in to Titan Sports on a fucking computer... So I don't know how it would even go because it's in the mid '80s. It's like he's typing it up on a typewriter at best, or a computer where he's like, "All right, I have a computer and I've just typed into DOS what I want. I better now scribble it on a piece of paper so Vince can read it." Yeah. So basically, what he would do is he would give them a report of all the information that they would need uh, for preparing the next cards, as well as all mentions of the WWF in mainstream media and that would be ready for when Vince McMahon mm-hmm. came in and if it wasn't ready by 9 in the morning Vince McMahon apparently would walk around the this is the weird these, they're, it's interesting doing the research because Vince would be like where is he dead <laughs> why isn't it That's this is the interesting thing about Vince McMahon is you learn a lot about him with his interactions with specifically like his super long term high level employees which is okay the report's not done it's 9 in the morning he famously, or not famously, according to everyone else, would walk around the office asking everyone but Howard where the report is. Instead of just being like, well, I know where his office is because I own the company. I could just go ask him and say, Bruce, Bruce, where is the other Tubby's writing? I want to read his writing. Well, I guarantee he was like, first rule, once I get my first million, I'm not talking to anyone under 5'9". That includes women. All right? <laughs> so, Linda, you're out. Yeah, you have to talk, it's only t- By the way, I've given up on having a Vince McMahon impression now. I, I like the, <laughs> We're not like the other... I'm not going to be like the other podcast. I'm going to say Vince McMahon. I'm going to play him like I would Justin Bieber from East Toronto. I, so that's what I'm going to do. What I like is you, your Vince McMahon... By not doing a Vince McMahon impression just means that all of the out-of-context things you say about him on the podcast will just seem like you're saying them. I don't like women that aren't 5'9". <laughs> Dylan, is that you? Uh, no, that is the character of Vince McMahon that I portray in life. That is the character that I portray without an accent because my throat hurts sometimes. Yeah, I'm like Alex Jones. I'm Alex Jones. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a weird question, which is uh, along the lines of people they would pull in to be victims, by which I mean... Non-wrestlers victims, like I mentioned earlier, Jim Ross was a really good non-wrestler victim. Jerry Lawler wasn't really a good non-wrestler victim because you would see... Like, if you're me you, and you, you've seen him beat up Bret Hart before, so you don't really believe that one punch can kill this man. Yeah, although, um, although, as it turned out, of the three people, the w- one punch almost did kill true. that man. <laughs> Karma almost killed him. Yeah. And also, of course, the other fun thing is Michael Cole never attacked, never attacked on camera, really. 
Jonathan Coachman very rarely. He had... No, Coachman had like a match against Tajiri where people were like, who's going to win? No, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Coachman like... Like, Tajiri was clearly the favorite, but people were like, oh, Coach is bigger, so he's going to win. No, Coachman, yeah, but not they Michael Cole. They tried to make Cole. Coachman Michael a wrestler Co- almost. They, like, tiptoed into it. That's what I'm talking about. Michael Cole was a manager for a bit. He was the heel uh, play-by-play announcer, and they tried that, and it ruined, like, a, a year. He was, like, the only good heel on TV. And it was horrendous. Oh, yeah, because also he has the... It was very horrendous. He has the worst sarcastic voice. He sounds- he's, like, he's out of a headlock tape over, which is stupid. <laughs> like, it was, like, horrible. <laughs> was the- oh, uh, time for a pile driver, which is dumb for idiots. That's... I'm so... <laughs> yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like one of the fucking mean girls from the movie Heathers. Ooh, <laughs> see that? That's a left turn, buddy. Swerved, yeah, That's pro but... comedy. So the first per, uh, angle that he was involved in, Howard Finkel was, was he played a tangential role in Kurt Henning defeating Kerry Von Erich to win the WWF Intercontinental title. Because uh, the role he played t- was uh, he <laughs> didn't give Kerry... He gave Carrie his pills that day, making him too sleepy for the match, Yay. and he fell asleep on his pills, and he got pinned by Kurt Henning. And Kurt Henning took the pills out of Carrie's, and they had a pills party afterwards. It's also, uh, some of the uh, Finkel reports with typos were actually stuffed into Carrie Von Erich's uh, footless boot yes. to help uh, soften where the boot stump would go into the boot. And uh, mm-hmm. he actually, yeah, what is a tipple, fucking Matthew uh, J.M. Mitchell? Fucking great point. Um, here's the problem. Dylan's dyslexic only with talking and reading and math and everything. Uh, so he actually, so Kerry got some paper cuts on his no foot having stump. And uh, and then later uh, just purchased a full quart of liquid cocaine and drank it before the match. And Howard Finkel was blamed. <laughs> But he was one of the guys who got bought off by the Million Dollar Man, goddammit. Which is crazy to think Howard Finkel the heel. <laughs> it's also so weird. Well, he also was, because uh, I I don't know if you watched it, but Howard Finkel was the main voice of... Coming to the ring, some hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just... and in this corner, a little baby boy. You're a little baby. <laughs> and, yeah, he's not even good. And uh, <laughs> a guy who eats oatmeal plain. That's weird, right? I don't know how to insult anybody. And new bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and new asshole. That's just that's just Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy saw Howard Finkel and thought, what if this guy was mean? <laughs> that's the whole character. I mean, have you watched any, uh, watch a Mr. Kennedy entrance now from when like he was supposedly going to be the next big thing at the WWE? No wonder they fired him. Like it's Someone just woke up and went, wait, what the fuck are we doing? No. No. The- well, they fired him because he's like, I don't do steroids. Nobody does steroids. Chris Benoit wasn't on steroids. It was like, Chris Benoit was found to be on steroids. You're on steroids right now. And he's like, I have to go. (laughs) Um, But it's also like, he comes across like such a jerk. Like he comes across, like, here's the problem with the interesting thing about Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel comes across as, what is the problem with Howard Finkel, John? He comes across as too nice to be in wrestling. Even when he's trying to be a heel in the USWA. Yeah, for sure. Where And the promo is fascinating because he's clearly in front of a green screen. and he, Hello, everyone. I'm Howard Finkel, the voice of the WWF. And I'll tell you this about the USWA. I don't care for it in a lot of ways. 
Jer- <laughs> just, and he's literally in a, a pedophile run business. Yeah. He could have just been like, here's what I don't care about here. This this front for a pedophile will no longer go down. Yeah. This is not Howard Finkel the wrestler. This is Howard Finkel the man. Please, this is Predators on the loose. Hello, everyone. It's me, Howard Finkel. I've got goodly wife and a goodly daughters, and I don't let them anywhere near the Mason-Dixon line because Jerry Lawler's on the other side of that line with a knife and fork like I'm bringing him my fucking tray of food. <laughs> um, hey, so- Jerry, let me ask you a goddamn question. What kind of fucking adult has nothing but baby oil and diet coke in their trunk, you weird fucking serial killer without the confidence to take a life? Please stop talking to anyone. <laughs> 1992 sees the beginning of the feud. Harvey Whippleman versus Howard Finkel. That was the first time I really saw Howard Finkel. Um on screen as a character and and it for sure was just based out of vince mcmahon being like you two are the shortest you fight i (laughs) I disagree what i think it winner gets to suck me up what i think it was was it was the influence um jim Cornette and a few other nwa guys coming into the fed because tuxedo matches between managers was a really big part of memphis and um mid-south wrestling and also the matches that they had were not like just like joke matches they essentially just tried to beat each other up and then they would take some clothes off so it's essentially doing the similar vibe to what paul Heyman and jim Cornette did only they're doing it between two men with mustaches one of whom who didn't do laundry for a full year according to mcfoley but here's the weird thing about that angle is that like harvey whippleman i'll say was good Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jimmy Hart was, uh, good at this, but like Heyman and Cornette both got to a point where they didn't want to be the bitch manager anymore. Yeah. No, cause they, but I will say this, they did have a great, I've mentioned this a couple times, but they did have a great angle with, uh, where they had a manager battle where basically it was like, who's a better manager, Bobby Heenan or Jim Cornette. And it was just them helping the wrestler cheat. I think Cabana was in that. It was great. I don't even know what that is. Is that was that in Ring of Honor? Hey, yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, and then Cornette, I, Cabana won the match. Cabana was managed by Bobby Heenan. It was really cool. Yeah, I had so I had sex in my twenties, so I didn't watch Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Ring of Honor was so cool. It was the first wrestling organization run by a pedophile for pedophiles. Um, Memphis wrestling was run by a pedophile for regular people. That's dishonest. Um. Sorry, it was created by a pedophile, then taken over by nerds. Which is how every piece of entertainment goes, essentially. Uh, so, that, he does win I the mean, tuxedo on, match on, over on, Harvey Whippleman, and up, if you've seen up, the rest of up, that, they reverse Cowman. Go. Dylan just said one of the darkest yet most prescient things ever, which is, entertainment is essentially something created by a pedophile, taken over by regular people. Oh, that's bleak, but yeah. absolutely accurate. <laughs> Hold- Look up on MGM, buddy. Oh, my um, God. Look up Jack Warner, a man who literally, like, it's called Warner Brothers. Where are your brothers? Oh, I went out of my way to financially cripple them because one time I was playing with my toy and they asked to play with it. And I said, no, but you shouldn't ask. You shouldn't ask. <laughs> oh, where's Finkel became involved. Sorry, go I for it. I was just going to do another Jack Warner joke. <laughs> yeah, do it. Where's your wife, Jack? Oh, she's not allowed to talk because one time I came home and dinner was already on the table and she knows the rules. I like it to be put on the table as I walk through the door. She needs to (laughs) learn how 
to anticipate me. <laughs> no, let's sing in the so rain. So Finkelverse co- becomes involved. Yeah, <laughs> Finkelverse comes involved in a feud between Xbox and Jeff Jarrett. And if you know how this ends, they double team Howard Finkel. John, thoughts? I mean, it's real weird. Also, there's a lot of head shaving in that feud, as I recall. This was the weird time where Jeff Jarrett was transitioning from country music Jeff Jarrett to new metal producer Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. He was badass. You know what the funny thing was? He went from like country Jeff Jarrett to new country yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah. Jarrett. That was the only difference. Yeah. He was like, I'm not, I'm Kenny Chesney now. That's my character. They basically, he went from country Jeff Jarrett, C-O-U-N-T-R-Y to C-U-N-T-R-Y. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get in the kitchen, get in. That was Jeff Jarrett's every promo was like, women belong in the kitchen. And you're like, okay, do you have anything else to say? He's like, not really. My, not that good. He was, Jeff Jarrett was the most and quintessential intercontinental title holder where it's like, just have him win the IC title over and over and over again. That's as far as he should have ever gotten. We did an early episode on Jeff Jarrett. He is one of the most fascinating characters because it's like, if he's running the company, then he beats everyone constantly. And if he doesn't, then he's just losing for everybody. Matthew J. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's about. Hopefully it's John's hot dog glasses. (laughs) Me too, man. (laughs) I wanted to spice up the the program and I feel like I really did. The other thing that's amazing about Jeff Jarrett is since we've done that episode, he's had the most interesting like third or fourth chapter, which is like, oh, we're merging Global Force Wrestling with uh, Impact Wrestling. Also, y'all need to know I became an a drug addict in my 50s, and I gotta go. And his wife was just like, I thought Kurt was bad, but I didn't realize that that guy was even worse than Kurt. And then he... He left his wife? No, he just had to go to a rehab for a really long time because basically it was discovered Global Force Wrestling was essentially a somehow a pyramid scheme for gold. It was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah. Crazy. He's, he's Jerry Jarrett's kid. Yeah, but Jerry Jarrett... Like just because he it turns out has not spoken to him since didn't speak to him for fifteen years. What what do you have to do to Jerry Jarrett? Where Jerry Jarrett's like, uh, listen, I'm gonna be friends with Jerry Lawler, a man who is in his late sixties, and the oldest woman he's ever spoken to is thirty years old. Uh, but you, son, you betrayed me when it came to TNA Impact. So I say, good day. It's a weird thing, and especially since the way that they booked. Memphis wrestling seemingly was the only partnership to ever work in professional wrestling where it's like, all right, you do six months. I did six months. So we don't burn out. Um, what are you going to do during those six months? Oh, I'm going to an Island that I can't tell you about. What are you doing during those six months? I'm hiring slave labor for fun. Like they're just terrible people. (laughs) Oh, I'll be, uh, Oh, they're not good. I just, I just want to see him break rocks. The rocks aren't for anything. I just want to see them not have fun. Uh, Jerry, what did you do on Saturday? Oh, I hired a contractor and I said I would pay him. And then I moved. (laughs) <laughs> um so he becomes involved yeah they shave howard finkel's head which is really funny and uh because he doesn't have that much hair and x-pac apparently would get all pilled up and methed up and the click would play a lot of fun pranks on him such as just getting him to do eight hours of work and then being like haha those events aren't happening howard that was it that was the yeah, whole joke and then chris jericho uh debuts with the company and they basically are trying to do the ralphus thing with Chris Jericho, yes. but they use Howard Finkel. I thought actually this was really fun, especially the time when they got him to dress up like Chris Jericho and fool Ken Shamrock. I just remember that being that was <laughs> real good. 
Yeah, that was he was a uh, important in them not understanding what made Chris Jericho good. Yeah, where it's like clearly like. They got Chris Jericho a lot like they got Taz, where they got Taz and then Vince McMahon was like, this guy's not tall. And they were like, yeah, but he's like good in there. He's like, I do. I don't know, man. Also cover him. Yeah. Make him wear a sheet. Yeah, yeah. Is there, is there any way he can just look like he's about to sell meat out of anything that's not a refrigerator? <laughs> yeah, so he did help again, uh, Chris wanna, Jericho. I say this about uh, like back office stuff. Howard Finkel was essentially, he was... Um, he was an ideas man. He was very much talent relations or an advisor to talent relations. He was also the guy that it's understood to have introduced the dirt sheets to the WWF. In that, the res- one of the yes. first Wrestling Observer subscribers, according to Dave Meltzer, is Howard Finkel's wife. Yeah, because that's what they would do. Is they would this is so this is important. Back in the day, what they would do is they would get someone's wife. The guy would get his wife to subscribe under her maiden name. So well, Meltzer wouldn't know what was going on, even though it's like, this guy knows your blood type, dude. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy has the most crazy, useless knowledge of professional wrestling of anyone on the Did planet. Did I tell you that I, I'm a, 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 someone I know and someone you know as well hung out with Dave Meltzer at an AEW event, and I was just like, "What was it like?" And he was like, "During the national anthem, he just sat there staring at everyone, stood up, and then as from when he arrived to when he was done talking, he just predicted the ending of every match and explained exactly why he was right. And when he was wrong, he would be like, "Oh, they must have changed it. Here's why they would have changed it. I don't know why they would have changed it though. The original idea was much better." And it was just like. Okay, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, don't you like this? Oh, I don't like anything. No, no, no. Yeah. The only thing I like to do is just put my hand over, over an open flame. Here's my impression of Dave Meltzer seeing his, hearing about a schoolyard fight from his kid where he's like, oh, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I, watched I watched the children fight. I, pa- I paid him to do that. It's, uh, it's good marketing. <laughs> He probably was like, that other kid should have gone over. Dad, what are you talking about? Do you think that he calls Brian Alvarez? He beat up my friend. Well, he's got he's got better wrestling than your other friend. Do you friend. think Dave Meltzer calls da- Brian Alvarez just to go over events in his day? All right, Brian. <laughs> we'll do the after show of me going to Trader Joe's. Um, uh, Dave, I don't really want to uh, do that. I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm too busy just weirdly taking protein and mentioning that I do jujitsu. No, here's what I would really like is Dave Meltzer retires from pro wrestling journalist mm-hmm. and just gets really into the politics at the Trader Joe's <laughs> near his place. Megan's been holding back information about Karen and I know the information. Uh, that would be way better than wrestling. You just get really into some <laughs> weird. That's what Netflix is going to get down to. They're going to lose out on small on like uh, real crimes, and they'll just be like, "And that's when Steve stole Dave's shirt." I would watch the shit out of a reality show about the gossip hosted by Dave Meltzer of the Daytona Beach Trader Joe's. I'd never not be watching that. Um, hello, Roger. I'm aware that you are the franchise holder and not the manager of the Trader Joe's, but I want to let you know that usually there are four two five bags of uh, dark chocolate pretzels in, uh, in the frozen food uh, aisle. There is, in fact, only one bag right now. This needs to be rectified. It's I actually don't purchase those because it's too many empty cards and sugars for me, but what if someone needs two bags? That's actually going to be a problem for you. That's going to cost you money. Please rectify it quickly. I will be in the bathroom both shitting and pissing myself out of concern. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha,
One of my friends worked at a No Frills in high school, and he took a shit in two lockers there. <laughs> and I was like, why two lockers? He's like, because I could spread it out. And then there's twice, and then there's twice as much of uh, there's twice as much of uh, odds that my the manager will put his clothes in there without thinking. And I was like, won't it smell? And he's like, I fucking sprayed that shit with cologne. And I was like, well, then why would he put his clothes in the locker that smells like cologne? And then he was stumped about that. I love the idea of shitting in one locker and then chambering it and saving it for the second one. <laughs> oh, I'll get him. And that's why you should fucking. Well, here's what I actually. That's why Dave Meltzer should cover some <laughs> some fucking Trader Joe's. Here's what I thought it was: is uh, he was sh he, he was shitting in the first locker and it was a big shit, and he was like, "Ooh, I could probably get a second one." And so he he clenched, ran to another locker, and mm -hmm. shit. That's what he did. So, but he did it. No, oh, he he cut it in half. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's so good. It's very good. This is what teenagers do. <laughs> People, you look your son in the your teenage son in the eyes, and you think, you know what? He's but he's a really good kid. That kid just shit <laughs> on someone's belongings that they care about. A man needs that job, and then a kid shit on his stuff. I don't know if there was a day when I the suburbs. I don't know if there was a day in grade eleven or grade twelve that a man didn't shit in a urinal at my high school. <laughs> Three hundred and. 300 shits? That's insane. I wouldn't be... Because there was, there was one kid who constantly was caught just shitting anywhere but a toilet. One time by a janitor. <laughs> and that janitor deserves... Deserves... I would say a, a million dollars for not just being like, oh, you're shitting and I have to touch your shit. Well, this is a good reason to go to jail and just beat him to death with a fucking broom handle. <laughs> and as Matthew J. Mitchell just said... Uh, all teenagers are Randy Orton. That's very true. The Evolution documentary uh, where Randy Orton and Mark Jindrak are hanging out is hilarious because you can just imagine they're like, yeah, we double teamed this chick and got her pregnant. Haha, <laughs> prank. Yeah. Here's the cool thing about Mark. Here's what he doesn't know. She keeps calling me for uh, child support. I said, uh, why don't you get some fucking pussies before you get a bigger pussy now. Haha, <laughs> hey, prank. Fuck you. Here's the thing about me, Randy Orton. I more... Uh, my only lunch is ever a club sandwich and all I do is just throw it... <laughs> Piece by piece, back in the waiter's face. <laughs> uh, I what do I eat? I just eat whatever the kids at the closest public school are having for lunch. I take the fattest kids' lunch every day. Hey, I just eat whatever. Pussy exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining Patreon, Stuart. All right, we're gonna get more about Howard Finkel. Two thousand two, Howard Finkel. Uh, begins a brief feud with Lillian Garcia. We're going to talk about this because this is mostly of what the Howard Finkel episode is. Is Howard Finkel is the ringing announcing version of Jim Ross. They, for sure, Jim Ross holds himself with more esteem and thinks a lot more about himself. So Vince treated him worse. But Howard Finkel, make no mistake, especially once you get past the Attitude Era and they went backwards. Like No, but it's also, it's more important. There's a deep sources that from basically the debut of Monday Night Raw, only Kevin Dunn wanted to get rid of him. Kevin Dunn would go out of his way to be like, no, we need yeah. this, we need that, and was constantly plotting and figuring out ways to get him off television, not understanding that Howard Finkel is a wrestling person and Kevin Dunn's a weird television person. And you essentially can't get, unless you fire and bar a wrestling person from the, from the building, they will figure out a way to get on television. <laughs> but that's the thing about Howard Finkel is like he should have just been I, I guarantee I, I agree that obviously Howard Finkel should have been off television like in uh, 2010 around yeah. then but when they're doing 
the when when in the mid two thousands when like eighties uh retro eighties stuff is at an all time high. Like everyone all they want to talk about is G.I. Joe's and the fucking Transformers and all this bullshit. Why not have the voice of WrestleMania one who you already have on staff be that voice for next five years and then fucking fire him and then Justin Roberts does it. But Lillian Garcia they really tried to push her because they wanted a this is the this is classic WWE. They wanted like a fucking they wanted they wanted One woman. Lillian Garcia to be more but more than a ring announcer. There was a guy I know who um worked as a intern for WWE when they had WWE Canada still and his job was literally to call radio stations in Mexico and try them to get to play Lillian Garcia's Spanish album and he did not speak Spanish because they did not want to hire a Spanish speaking person because they would actually have to hire someone so he would just he would just go can you play Lillian Garcia's album and then they would just go okay <laughs> and then that was eight hours of his can day you, have you ever listened to Lillian Garcia's podcast it's the only upbeat podcast, professional wrestling podcast. That being said, have not listened to it. Or it's just like, you go do it, Maria. You be no, no, whoever no, no. you want to okay. be. It's, it's, and then they hug. for 15 minutes, and then it's, you, you, you just do it. I've listened to two episodes, and there's a lot, there's internet things written about this. About It's Maria's, it's like, Maria, you're great. You're really great. One thing, Maria, can we talk about the time that your entire family was murdered and you watched it? Because... <laughs> that reminds me of the time I lost my keys. And it's just like, what is going? Like every episode, Lillian Garcia cries. It's wrestling Oprah. No, it's like wrestling. Like wrestling soccer mom stayed home and accidentally took her husband's angel dust. Like it's so. It's an emotional roller coaster unnecessarily every time. Here's another emotional roller coaster: Howard Finkel versus Lillian Garcia. Because <laughs> the greatest feud in wrestling course, history. It was the it was the uh, steamboat flare, but get out of my ring, yeah. you dirty slut and new whore. Um, <laughs> but the thing that you have to remember is that Howard just kept himself on television, and also I, what I never understood was why they didn't use him like Bruce Buffer, which is he comes out for the main event. He's still he was he was working backstage and in the office apparently until yeah. like three years ago like he was still very much part of the company and part of the tapestry well this is something that they do that they did for nitro that they don't do for wwe and i don't know how long switch the ring announcer just little things like that it's like all right the first half even the when they first got into wrestling when the first raw was two hours it was one hour is monday night raw and one hour is raw's war no, and i know that no, sounds stupid no, one hour was the ro the war zone and then post 9 11 oh war zone post 9 11 it became the raw zone which i like because i'm raw <laughs> the raw zone does sound better yeah, yeah. The, raw, the raw zone sounds my bed's called the raw yeah. zone yeah my ass is called the raw zone <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> shave yeah, he he was in uh, a bunch of he was mostly working on the uh, website until they noticed that was a thing. He was on he he did some stuff for the dirt sheet, of course, with Miz and Morrison. Uh, he did I would think the Fink because, like you said, he was in an encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. He was WWE's chief data statistician, which is something they do not need uh, because they would just Vince McMahon is famous for going. Everyone just forgets everything. No. Why don't it's we just, just him. continue with everything? But that's the thing everything. is that he doesn't... Vince McMahon is very interesting in that he doesn't understand all of the things that actually would help his company. Like, you know, not firing 22 people on the day Howard Finkel died. 
Wait for someone to die that everyone likes, then fire everyone. Well, and this is the, the one crazy thing is Howard Finkel, even more than Jim Ross, was adored by the WWF public and also remembered by fucking everyone. Like the and it's just that name, that voice, all of that sort of stuff. It's amazing. It's also super fucking crazy sad that essentially he was never honored and the back 20 years of his career was a a television director essentially trying to find ways to get him off TV. And basically, he was relegated to probably doing statistics and announcing the Hall of Fame until he had multiple strokes and couldn't do that anymore. Those strokes, of course, were caused by Kevin Dunn sneaking into his hotel room and making him hold his breath while he was asleep. <laughs> he forced him to have sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah. He was said, uh, so some people say that the, the highlight of his career, he was told, was uh, in front of 93,000 people in WrestleMania 3. Later on, he would say the highlight of his career was actually when CM Punk was doing his weird clauses in his contract, and there was a random episode of Raw where... No, uh, oh, series. sorry, it was actually Survivor Series. Yeah, sorry. Survivor Series, he came out and announced... At Madison Square Garden, CM Punk versus his champ in his championship match against Alberto Del yeah, Rio, and, and that was one of his yeah longest when, when CM Punk's character was yeah. But the announcers downplay it. There's crowd videos that are really good. Uh, if you listen, if you watch those, they're really good. Make you feel really oh, no, good. The, the, the and also by the way, going back to heel Michael Cole, that is peak heel Michael Cole, where he's literally like, oh god, this guy, this this fella, yeah. And it's also it's also coupled it's also coupled with Booker T being the color man, um, and holy shit, he was not good at it. This is okay. So this is Michael Michael Howard Finkel walks out, gets the probably the loudest ovation mm -hmm. at that time since CM Punk at Money in the Bank. Because by the way, this is right after they've killed the summer of Punk completely, and then they're like, oh, we actually do need to put the belt on him because it's the only thing people are watching. And this is around the time when the... It's like Kevin Nash tore his everything while he was powerbombing yeah, CM this, Punk. Oh, this, no. Also, Triple H is not on television. What have we yeah, done? This was also, by the way, this that all that whole thing caused both the highest ratings in Raw in recent history and then at the time the lowest ratings in Raw. L little did they know. Little did they fucking know. Um, yeah. And uh, Howard Finkel's making this loud cheer. And then Booker T is just continually trying to tell stories of how he's met Howard Finkel. It's so fucking weird. I don't like Howard Finkel. <laughs> I couldn't wait until he called me a match, though, Cole. I They're not listening to each other. It's weird. Watching that clip, because I watched it before this, made me think, I'm like, oh, actually, some parts of the WWE have gotten better recently, I guess. I haven't watched in quite some time. Well, this is, yeah, this is a very... This is, uh, 2011 is a very, very defined time because the Summer of Punk does make everybody watch wrestling again. It's a brief glimpse of hope, and then, of course, is dashed right uh, doing exactly the things they always do, which is... I don't think they know that when Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, was the anti-hero, I don't think they realize that Jim Ross didn't just go... He was stunning Steve Austin in WCW, so why the fuck do, does anyone care? Like they could have just been like this guy had blonde hair. He's not. He's not a bald badass. He's a blonde haired guy who lost to Ric Flair every week. Like they co totally could have do that, but they didn't. No, they they gave him a year to be two different characters, and then slowly he became yeah. who he was. Uh, the ringmaster. I'm supposed to be scared of the ringmaster. Like they could have done that, the, but they didn't. By, which is by the way who they wanted him to be. They were like, "You're the ringmaster. You're the master of the ring." And he was like, "I sound. I sound like a jeweler." Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, it was his first character was the ringmaster, and then he was Stone Cold, but they didn't like just keep calling him the ringmaster, which is totally what they would have done now. Oh yeah, because like I said, I've said this before, but they're traumatized from the '90s where. They had all these dumb characters, so now they want to get out in front of it and be like, but actually, when we have a dumb character, it's like, uh, they anytime they have a dumb character, that defines the guy rather than their company, because they don't want to look stupid anymore. But that's part of being a good creative company, is doing stupid shit sometimes. Sometimes you get Mantar, sometimes you get Hulk Hogan. Like, that's what it is. Imagine if you put your hands together on that idea. Imagine Hulk Mantar. Yeah, Hulk Mogan? Oh. <laughs> Mulk, milk Hogan. Oh. I love milk, dude. <laughs> Let me do it. I drink milk and a shoot rope. <laughs> let me say this. I climb up the side of your fucking house with my ropes, dude. Bro, let me say this, brother. I'm both a cow and a man, bro. Um, so Howard Finkel died. Uh, it's very sad. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Class. Essentially, Howard Finkel was a super nice man who spent his life living his dream, and then died of a stroke the day Vince McMahon fired a bunch of people. Essentially giving cover to his boss when his boss did something terrible. Basically, he died as yep. he lived, serving Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon won't go to the funeral because he had a haircut that he could have moved, but he didn't feel like calling the haircut place. I guarantee like, he's just like... Or Vince McMahon gives the eulogy and makes it all about him. I'll never forget when I didn't speak to Howard for two years because I thought that he was silly. <laughs> Yeah, Je Je the Jeff Jarrett stroke killed Howard. That was Matthew J. Mitchell saying that, not Dylan Gott or John Hastings. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, you guys are fantastic. This episode will be up on the main feed uh, in a day. And for those of you fucking handful of nerds that watch the whole goddamn thing, thanks very much. Have a good day. Best thing about Howard Finkel, he lived. Worst thing about Howard Finkel, he worked for the man known as Vince McMahon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching the yeah. fucking show. Best thing, his ring announcing. Worst thing, he was a wrestling ring announcer, which meant he arbitrarily was taken out of his job for no goddamn motherfucking reason. He was reason. taken away from his job because a man with Bucky Beaver teeth, to quote Jim Cornette, decided that they needed a singer that they could push to radio stations. Yep. <laughs> cool. Mm. Thanks very much for watching, guys. Uh, suck our ass. Suck our butts. No. I don't know which to turn off first. A butt? The Instagram or the recorder? Turn your Instagram off. I'll return this off. Bye bye, guys. I love you. You can catch us, of course, on Twitter at Wrestler Review on Twitter, Instagram at Wrestler Review on Instagram. We just did this for an Instagram live. We'll be doing this more often because we're all inside and none of us have anything to do with our goddamn lives. And we all just look at the window wondering what it would be like to run. What would it be like to run? Thanks very much, guys. Have a great night. Bye bye. <laughs>